and we're live with our 206th episode of Absolute Absec. I'm Ken Johnson at C on Twitter, joined by my co-host Seth Law at Seth Law on Twitter. Seth, say hi. Hey everyone, welcome back to a or welcome to a special episode of the podcast. Uh, not our regular time, obviously for Ken, not our regular place. And as it is May the 4th, I had to put on my, you know, Jedi robes that we got like recently just for, just for fun, right? You know, um, I didn't even know that was a Je- Jedi robe. Yeah, I know. I, I'd break out the lightsabers, but we don't want to go too uh, Star Wars nerdy today, right? Like um, my son's not home. So if he were home, then I'd have to like break him out. We'd have a, you know, fight on the podcast or something like that, right? Um, That's custom lightsaber. So be, be forewarned. Yes, exactly. Yes. Um, let's see. As far as announcements go, uh, I know we've been spotty, like getting episodes recorded. Both Ken and I have been traveling a fair bit for work. Um, I will probably start figuring out some other cadence that we can do, whether it's, you know, bringing on some guest hosts or some other things to, to, to keep the conversation going and make sure that we don't have too much time between recorded episodes. Um, outside of that, DEFCON training is live. That We will be putting some um, other content in there, uh, but it's August 14th and 15th at the Caesars Forum. If you go to training.defcon.org, you will find um, our site, and I'll post it shortly practical secure code review this is a great place again we don't we don't we only do the public courses attached to conferences right now about once every quarter or once every six months so this is the good opportunity to get it especially if you're going to be out at defcon i know it extends your las vegas stay by a couple of days um trust us it's a little brutal but we've done it before and it's a good uh, distraction after DEF CON to actually go talk about fixing problems and finding problems in your own source code. Um, let's see. Other than that, last week we had our first uh, Absolute AppSec Happy Hour sponsored by Dry Run Security, of all things. Um, and uh, felt like it was a huge success. We're going to talk about that for a little bit. Um, yeah, I, like maybe we dive into that, Ken, um, before we sure. get into any of the topics for today. So, so what were your uh, background noise? Yeah. Sorry. Uh, sounds like we're getting some complaints about the background noise. Um, but I'll tell you what. Make sure, I'll figure out what's going on with Crisp AI here in a second. So apologies on that. Um, I am using Crisp to uh, to block the sound. So it's not where I'm. Uh, right. So the happy hour was at Bar Mortimer in downtown SF. We were trying to do uh, kind of a smaller private uh, gathering, and that worked out. We did have uh, a decent number of people turn out. That was really that was really nice. Um, there, lot, lot, lots of good folks turned out. For me, uh, it was really nice. You know, I got to see some of the folks I worked with at GitHub, um, uh, but also uh, I did get to meet Larry. Uh, leisure suit Larry, which I, I there's two people you know I, I had wanted to uh, to meet uh, because they were at the well because I want to meet them, but also because obviously they're at the these events and that was Talos and uh, and Leisure Suit Leisure Suit Larry. <laughs> I just love the name. I love saying the name, uh, but but anyways, it's cool to meet Leisure Suit Larry. Uh, I really want to. And uh, let's see. Um, I think 
you know, we can talk through trends that we saw at RSA, but I think, uh, you know, AppSec definitely had a huge, huge presence at RSA. Um, and so there were a lot of application practitioners as well at RSA. So anyways, uh, great turnout, had a lot of fun. If you want a security buddy in your pull requests, if you are using GitHub, uh, consider reaching out to myself, um, Dry Run, Dry Run Security, and uh, could use some design partners. But in any case, yeah, anything you wanted to add, Seth, there while I fix figure out what's going on with Chris? Um, not, I, well, not, yeah, I, I, I give my overall impressions, right? Like I was not down for RSA. Um, so I flew down just for the, the happy hour, saw a few people. It's been a while with, and to, it's been a while since I connected with a few of those and we saw some new faces as well, um, felt pretty successful. And so one of the things that we're going to do at DEF CON is sponsor something similar. So between Redpoint and Dry Run Security, we will host another happy hour during DEF CON. We'll start gathering um, signatures, interest um, on you know on the Slack channel for people that are going to be in Vegas for that period and we'll probably do it like Thursday night, the night before DEF CON starts after our uh, Black Hat and B-Sides have wrapped up. Uh, but it'll be a good place for, uh, you know, for us to meet listeners to the podcast, for everyone to meet, you know, meet and greet with other, uh, other community members as well. Uh, we had some really good turnout from just people that have been in the industry for a while. That was nice to see. Um, yeah, but a lot of good conversations, a lot of interesting things that popped up about uh, what people are working on, um, some startup founders, and like I know um, one of uh, James's friends that does like the API security, I can't remember the, exactly the name, but I got his contact info. We might have him on the podcast to talk about it because it, it's, it's definitely within the realm of what we do on a daily basis, like protecting those APIs and identifying vulnerabilities with those APIs. Um, before before something goes live, um, yeah, I I'm trying to think what else that you know what what other impressions I had there. Um, we did have some shirts with us, but we didn't distribute them because we didn't have enough, right? Uh, so we'll, that's my if fault. You are looking, Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> if you are looking for AppSec swag, absolute AppSec swag, contact Ken or I. We have a refresh coming that we're working through that I'm excited about as well, as far as the designs and stuff go, since we've been doing this for a few years and obviously we're going to stick around. Um, yeah. Outside of that, Ken, um, I think the other, you know, obviously you were at RSA. I'm interested to hear how much AI discussion you had uh, or chat GPT discussion you had while you were at RSA. Um, since that seems to be, you know, it's no longer like we're no longer concerned about anything else besides where what ChatGPT is going to do to the industry, right? Yeah, I mean, so I got an Expo Plus pass, which gave me access to the Expo floor, which if you have never been to RSA, there's two sections in North uh, Lobby, essentially, of the Moscone Center. And I mean, just... Uh, Imagine probably the size of uh, like a Walmart uh, inside, just of like vendor booths, right? Uh, North and South lobby. So I spent, and also the uh, the Expo Plus Pass gives you the sandbox, uh, innovation sandbox access. 
which is really nice because you get to see essentially the top 10 accepted um, top 10 accepted uh, companies who are kind of like in early stages um, again doing doing some innovative things the so I'll talk about a little bit about those top 10 companies and who won and then talk a little bit about the trends for what I saw anyways from the, the vendor booths. Because like it or not, you know, we had this conversation, we had this conversation quite a bit at RSA. It's like, okay, do I want to be at RSA? Hmm. Yes and no, right? Like, first of all, I'm not a big traveler, a big lover of traveling to San Francisco. Just not, it's not, uh, you know, it's a busy city. Um, that having been said, um, you know, there, there, there was definitely some good food there, some great sushi. So can't complain too much about San Francisco. Uh, but you know, it's a long flight from the East coast and all that fun stuff. So anyways, uh, but also RSA, man, it's like, we can't, like, I can screw around this all day long, but it's, it's a business conference, right? Like that's what it is. Um, however, and this is the important part that we all discussed and agreed upon. Everyone can agree on this. Whatever happens there does set the trend for what people are going to buy, what companies are going to buy, what C-suites, executive. So there is some relevance there. Um, it is important. Having said that, uh, you know, you just got to know what you're going there for. Yeah. So it's not a technical conference, obviously. I'm sure there are some technical talks. Uh, I've spoken there before. I'd like to think my talk was technical. But, um, you know, that's not the, the, the target audience typically. It's a lot of people in sport coats and, and all that stuff. All right, so let's talk about the top 10 companies. First of all, KSOC was almost in that top 10. Jimmy Mesta, uh, his Kubernetes security company, KSOC, they were almost in that top 10. They didn't get make it, but that's okay. So the winner of this year's Innovation Sandbox was uh, Hidden Layer, I believe. I don't know if it's, is it, I know the last name is Sestito. Maybe it's like Christopher Sestito or something. Like that. I think he goes by Tito. Um, in any case, that's the CEO, that's the founder. Um, and the company, their premise is uh, AI. Uh, so AI, deep learning, uh, LLI on there, essentially. So like making sure, and I don't really know, I, you know, I don't know, obviously the ins and outs of it, but the idea is that they're supposed, because they only have like a couple minutes to get their spiel up there. It's a high-level pitch, right? It's almost like a like a uh, incubator kind of pitch. So, anyways, um, I didn't get a lot of the details, but the the idea is to make sure malicious dad doesn't end up in LLMs, as far as I can tell. I think that's the that premise. Now, was it the most innovative thing I saw there? No, I don't think it was. Sorry, I mean that's no no offense. It seems cool, not the most innovative thing. What I think that it is indicative of, though, is what do people care about right now, and I don't know if it was you or somebody who made this comment there, but like, they were like, uh, yeah, but if crypto was like $80,000, you know, if Bitcoin was 80000 a coin, that would have been, because there was a company that was, uh, you know, about blockchain security and Web3 and how to secure that and all, all this fun stuff. Um, and so, you know, if that was the case, maybe maybe uh, Web3 security and blockchain would win. Um, but there, yeah, there was a lot of application security companies there. Besides the the two I've mentioned, the last thing I'll say is that there were a decent amount of one company claimed to do. Uh, so not just like you know tell you that your dependencies are 
basically an improved SEO. That, that's essentially what it was to tell you whether or not you're actually using the functions that are considered dangerous in the library uh, that you're using, which I think is interesting. It's a little problematic in their approach. They mentioned the pure SAS approach. You know, my thoughts on pure SAS. It's my, my love uh, to do pure SAS. It misses context. And that was another thing. That word context was thrown out a lot, Seth. And I'd like to, yeah. I'd like to thank us for that. Yeah, it, it's all try run. It's all try run. Yes. <laughs> no, no, no. For you and I, for like six years, you've been telling us. Context. So. That's true. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Uh, so, in any case, that's my that's my generalized thoughts. So, what 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 did you catch, window? What did you hear on the streets? Yeah, I mean that that was the interesting thing, being on the outside, right? Like not being on the on the floor this year was to actually see the content that was coming out around AI ML specifically um, because of chat GPT and the focus that's been there um, as opposed to web three or some of the other or crypto, like the other topics that have been hot in past years. Um, but it also like, it, it's always that love hate relationship we have with RSA that it drives like this, businessy end of the or this business conference drives the discussion for you know at least a few months if not for a year as far as like what we focus on and what people actually come to like red point for and what they want to to look at not necessarily hey like you know let's let's get to the nitty-gritty of actually securing an application and whatever that takes it's like oh well tell me about what you guys do from an ai ml perspective and how that can drive you know you know, you've got to have some like uh, some attack simulation tool that's going to use AI to, you know, simulate attacks against our application. And I'm like, guys, you're vulnerable to SQL injection, right? Like this doesn't take an AI to discover. Yes, that sounds great. But like, again, it goes back to like the crocs and socks of security. This is what, yeah, I, I'm going on a rant now, but that that's what drives me crazy about conferences like this is, yes, like we... We're always fascinated by that new and shiny, right? Like like chat GPT, what that, what's that going to do? And it will help us when it comes down to like low level security stuff. I'm convinced of that. We're not necessarily there yet because it's all based on how we're training that AI, but it's going to help us in the long run. The problem that we have is we try to apply that to like, we just bolt it on top, right? It, it's, it doesn't always go to the level that we need it to. And 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 then like it's a flash in the pan, right? So okay, we've got you know Chat GPT. We're going to ask it how to secure something or to find vulnerabilities in something, and then we're going to you know, crap on it, or you know we're going to yeah we're just going to disparage it because we didn't train it properly. We didn't have the time to actually drop into it, and then. Yeah. And then we're going to switch to something else. Right. So next year we'll be back to crypto or maybe there'll be a new iteration of chat GPT or we'll be back to, you know, securing cars. I don't know. Right. Like it's just as like always that like that jump between different things based on what's happening in the wider world that I mean, it feels like the whole the industry as a whole for years has always had some level of kind of, you know, security ADHD, right? Like we can't focus on one thing for long enough to actually secure it. The organizations that do are secure, but those that are sw that swing based on what happens at RSA and even at Black Hat to a lesser extent, uh, you know, 
those are the ones that never quite get those fundamentals down and then they show up in the in the news yeah let's say you know we'll write it down like i, I i'm sure we can pitch something right ken yeah i mean the word secure was used a lot the word context was used a lot api security that was a big one i saw a lot of companies uh promising a lot of things and some of them like speaking as a seed series uh founder co-founder um they promise more than i'm willing to bet they can deliver on so i, I don't again i'm not gonna go any i wouldn't go into any names or anything like that but there was definitely a lot of booths where i was reading all of the things they claimed to provide and i'm like but because you know there you've got your you've got your end of, you've got You've got, it's interesting. You've got big companies that like have the massive booths. I even saw, I don't remember which vendor it was. They brought in Dean Kane, who played Superman, if you remember, in like the 90s or something. So there was crazy booth setups like that. He's like a, a booth where they had like comic books and then all this cool stuff. Anyways, uh, so, and then you've got your smaller companies. And then you've got your folks who are kind of there just doing their, build their like, uh, almost like pitching to a handful of people. I mean, sometimes it's nobody that you're essentially giving a pitch to. Um, yeah. So it's, it, 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 listen, it's, it's hard to cut through the noise. That it's RSA. hard. It's, it's a, it is. It's, it's really yeah. hard. Um, I've, I mean, I found that it's a good, like uh, it's a good hallway conference, right. To meet up with people, um, to actually talk to people that you're interested in. But as far as being a vendor on the floor, right? Like, I mean, you have to, and this is it. You have to splash the cash to make any sort of an impact. And even then, probably 95% of the pe- percent of the people that are walking by your booth have no interest in whatever it is you're talking about. Um, or they're only there to pick up t-shirts and swag, um, which I, I mean, is fine for getting your name out and getting some like recognition as far as like being a security company. But, right, is that going to find, you know, is that going to find you interest in general interest in like SaaS tools or API security or like what does that even mean, right, when you you start talking about what is it that you do from an API security perspective and why is that different than like app security? Anyway, yeah. It's It's API. It's API. Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) Yes, it's all the same stuff except without html without html which you know from our perspective would actually make it easier because you're not dealing with some of the view state or view anyway yeah you know i don't know don't try to wrap your head around this all right just just enjoy the ride is that yeah well but i'll say this i didn't see any of them talking about GraphQL, all this talk of API security, I'm a little afraid that people are missing the boat on the fact that GraphQL is going to be not going to be. I mean, it's, it's you're a consultant, so you've dealt with a lot of different apps from a lot of different companies in a short period of time. I'm sure you're witnessing the trend too, where it's it's shifting from like, oh, rest, rest, rest to GraphQL. And I don't see yeah. any of these companies claiming who claim API security to be touting GraphQL stuff. So like if it were me, if that was my specialty, if I was going to call it API security, I think it's fair if you're focusing on both. Um, if you're just focused, it's like, well, okay, yeah, yeah. To your point, like, what's different about that? GraphQL, it, it's 
that, that's a I harder mean, it's, problem it's, to solve. It's definitely, yeah, that's what yeah. I'd say. It's a harder problem to solve. Well, and it's, yeah, and that's, that was always my question to, as well, right? Like, okay, you're talking API security. What do you mean? Like, you got a Swagger doc and it's just RESTful endpoint? Are you talking about SOAP? Because, I mean, we, we've had APIs for years, right? Like, you know, and yes, they're, they're more in use, but even then, right? Like mobile apps have been using them for a long time. Even GraphQL has been around for years at this point. Um, we're just seeing a gradual shift to GraphQL over the restful endpoints because of the flexibility it gives de developers. And so, I, yeah, I, I don't know why. I have a hard time understanding why API security has been has become more of a hot topic recently um, because it, I, again, it's been around for a long time. Um, maybe we don't have the tools, but I feel like we do, especially when you start talking about Postman, about Swagger, about you know other ways to actually like test those APIs for both for security and for functionality that like what what are you bringing to that table as an API security company that's that's what becomes more interesting to me yeah I suspect sort of the story that or like because of the, the rise of like so architectures microservices a lot of like React apps that are actually talking to a bunch of different APIs in the back end versus, you know, one like monolith that had like a like a traditional monolith that, you know, it's MC if it's an MC yeah. and uh, they all have general to mix that. So I, I don't know. Yeah. I suspect it's just because of that stuff, but and and seeing and thinking there's uh I, I don't really know. Maybe it's a way to I I, well, I don't know. I don't I don't know, so I, all I could do is sit here, sit here, ponder. Yeah, and, uh, ponder. Yeah. Speaking of ChatGPT, did you, you know I posted a link about the breach that? Uh, yeah, let's breach, let's, right? let's let's talk but, about that. I'll, I'll post it here shortly in the link. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Uh, I can talk through to you want to talk through. I mean, like I said, I, I posted a link, so everybody's probably read or. Some Those that are in that. Right through that, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it was... just as people were seeing other users' information. Yep. Um, Full, yeah. What I'm not clear on is—is is that just like? Because I mean, it's it's payment related data, so I, I assume it's just just. But you know, I assume it's data related to the tr tr traditional information you might give during billing, like the address, email, and yeah. Yeah, it was probably, I, I mean, I haven't seen this specific, right? Like the, the more I read on it though, I'm like, oh, so it was some sort of like sensitive data exposure via insecure direct object, object reference probably, or right, like, you know. Weirder, weirder than that. It was an off by yeah. one error with Redis. Oh, is that what um, it was? It was off by one. So it was actually exposing. Okay. Yeah. When it makes a cute call, I think it was a cute call. Um, what would happen is if that call was canceled um it was left in this weird state where then it was showing the or not sorry i think the queued object sends a request but then if it doesn't get a response and it hasn't been canceled it gets the response to the previous command and then from there on out it's always off by one every time a transaction occurs so when you perform a transaction you're getting the response from i guess the, that would be the previous operation Sounds like okay, yeah. Um, but it's it's super. It's, it's just like a super weird. Like uh, it, it's it's not Redis, right? It's Redis. 
the Redis Python library that's actually vulnerable, uh, which is what they were using, which tells us a little bit about the stack, I think, behind, behind the scenes there. Um, maybe, maybe not. I don't, I don't know, but yeah. Anyway, anyways, that, that was that was kind of the gist of it. Um, but I did see a lot of news on it, and I was like, "Oh, ChatGPT got breached," and people started posting links to different Slack channels I'm a part of, um, developer channels. And I was like, ah, "I wouldn't worry too." First of all, kind of cracked me up that people were like, the news outlets were like, "Hey, wait, this thing stores a lot of information." Like, this, wait, like if this is breached, that's pretty bad, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I yeah. Mean, um... but but it also most of the data that it stores is public. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> eh, not true. Not I, actually. I'd argue that's not necessarily true. And the reason I say that is that you for sure uh, can pay to have Copilot, for instance. Uh, oh, I guess. Yeah, I know. think you're right. Like I'm thinking about just the generic Chat GPT like question answer. But if, if we start talking Copilot and other aspects that have access to private data, right? The company private data that you're doing, you're running that same engine against. Yeah, you're right. It's, it's, it has a lot of, it's, it's, that's the kind of the thing is it's mingling, it's co-mingling like lots of different data from places that are kind of private, but you kind of opt into not being private. Um, and then other places where it's for sure uh, public, like you said. So, and a lot of, a lot of data that is public. Yeah, I think it's just kind of like um, funny to watch people now consider that. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> sure, how about my data? Wait, wait, are you keeping that safe? No, it, uh, it's fine. We, yeah, we give away data all the time. Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't think honestly. I don't think even a um, an issue like that would have made the news if it wasn't for it being chat you know then it becomes scary all of a sudden yeah the robots have issues so, uh yes um but yeah i don't know i don't really have much else on that other than it's just kind of fun to watch watch the world burn now i'm joking <laughs> just well I, yeah, reactions I, I, no related ai news and you know it's not that i was like ah you know ai is taking over everything like here we are talking about it but the the other article that got posted uh, in the in the channel was about news bots, right? And actually generating like different sites. Um, and I think it was was it Talos that? Uh, nope, it was. I'm trying to remember who. I was trying to give credit to whoever posted that one. Oh, it was Eli, right? Um, in the in the Slack channel that posted this one, and it, it's an interesting read. Um, as hold this I've got it up here, just like the number of different sites that are being new sites claiming to be like independent um, sources of data, and they're just generating straight up uh, news articles based on you know whatever chat GPT is spinning it out. Like it, it seems like they're building an army to do this. And this is exactly what we thought was going to happen, right? Like AI generated clickbait articles that don't have a lot of real uh, technical content to them or actual like expert opinion. It's just surface level information about this. And then, and, and then I also start to wonder what, you know, Wikipedia is going to do here. Right. Um, but most of these seems, it seems that they're actually taking content from other news sites 
like the major news outlets, rewriting those news stories, right? Having chat GPT summarize it and then put it up on another site, right? So they're not, they're not actually doing anything besides kind of connecting the dots here or, you know, telling chat GPT to summarize what CNN or MSNBC or Fox or whoever is actually like producing that content. Um, and this, this also gets into a weird spot because, you know, who then, again, like who then actually owns that because it's based on public research or public news articles from one of those major you know, news indices or news sources. Um, it's summarized data. Like we've got aggregators that have done that in the past, whether that's like Google News or Apple News, right? Like how they kind of put that together. But like what what does the attribution there actually look like? Are they allowed to do that? Because apparently they are. Are they going to get sued out of existence? There's just so many like legal questions that go into it on top of the fact that it's probably most of the articles are probably pretty crappy. I, one of the things that I found funny in that article, though, was the fact that um, many of the, the articles actually started with something like, well, I can't give you exactly 1,500 words, but here's the article in summary, right? Um yeah, so it would like they didn't even strip that out, right? Um, where was it at? I'm trying to find it now. I was reading it earlier, but they, you were able to identify it pretty quickly because of the response, like how the article was put together. Yeah, that's that's because that's that's how right now I feel like it won't be too difficult for a, for a brief period of time for you know, like say Google to keep. SEO and, and these these things proliferating all of this content um, at base because there's markers and they've got an incredible team I'm sure at Google for how they handle handle how they wait as, from an SEO perspective things and investments yeah. and all that but the I think uh, how as things advance maybe it's Spy versus fire. Yeah. An escalation. Uh, as, yeah. As people try to abuse to have, you know, those SEO results pop up and then um, target people. Uh, and then Google's kind of like, you know, it's essentially, uh, it's, uh, yeah, uh, an arms race between, I would imagine, uh, anyways, at some point, like a Google and, and these sites that are generating this content. Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly, like, that was one of the things, right? Like, it, I know, so I was talking, I, you know, my daughter's in college, she works at a writing center, right? And it's actually been a big discussion point on how do you identify an article that was written, and then printed out, like, you're supposed to help advise someone on this, this, this article, but how do you identify whether or not it was written by ChatGPT or one of the AIs, as opposed to that person in and of itself? Like it's, it's, it's fairly easy to run it through one of those online checkers now, right? If they give it to you in a you know, whatever form, but if you're supposed to be helping someone with writing style, making it their own, I'm like, so are you just basically as a, as a um, writing advisor is, are you going to just actually help people, you know, change chat GPT articles? So it sounds like they said it instead of chat GPT, right? Like that's going to be your job. You'll be an expert in like making uh, the AI generated articles readable and usable in an academic sense 
because I, I can see that going that way, right? It's just a, it's an, it's an odd, it's an odd place to be. I mean, we're kind of stuck in a weird spot right now when it comes to it. And then detecting detection of those AI generated, that AI generated content also has questions. Um, I mean, this is articles, this is English or other languages, right? Like news articles, summaries, what, what have you. Um, but I also start to think about code, right? Like Copilot, how it generates code and where we go with that as, as we move on, because it, it is so useful in generating that um, boilerplate and helping us make ourselves more efficient. Um, I, I don't know what kind of legal issues that gets you into, right? Like, yeah. Well, I can tell you, um, we, uh, so brief use case here for what we're building it helps to have as many apps generated as possible right um the stuff we can download open source apps um whatever but the research using chat gpt to create apps simple small apps to test you know for specific things um interestingly uh it produces as you might imagine some pretty broken code for us it's actually a benefit um when it's somewhat we want some broken apps some functional apps but um so that's first and foremost like i can i can tell you that when it generates apps it creates broken apps uh, for sure it's like missing parentheses missing this missing that like not spectacular filling out of same not to say that it doesn't a lot of the boilerplate that you, you want there. so that's awesome some of the errors are just very much um the other interesting is um we use it to generate, uh, uh, actually James, who, and by the way, I'm at DevOps Days Austin. So if I didn't mention this, that's why I'm like, with all this background noise, I'm actually at a college uh, campus, UT. Um, this is like the cafe, conference, coffee area. Anyways, well, I'm saying that because I'm, I'm down here. Uh, James, my co-founder, James Wickett is down here. His wife, Laura, one of the core organizers for this conference. Anyways, James has been using ChatGPT to tinker a bit as well. And uh, he created yesterday or the day before some, some like GitHub actions that were really just for fun, just to see how, how, how it worked. And man, they actually worked. Like, asked to do some pretty simple things, but, you know, stuff that might take you some time to figure out with GitHub actions. And boom, uh, next thing you know, it's, it's not only... Um, not only is it generated and working, but it's published to the marketplace. That's what scares me a little bit more, right? Generating things like that and then pushing to public marketplaces so easily where people will download these things. So in a very short period of time. And I mean, really, realistically, you know, when you tell it to do like malicious things too, all you have to say is this is for like training purposes or something like that. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's the one that I think is. Uh, so there's some valid use cases. There's some obviously some use also cases, just maybe not for the things we would consider to be good. Valid. Yeah, well, and that's and that's it, right? Like we see that this starting with these news generate or these news sites, these news articles, right? Like at, at what point does it, you know, okay, so you're talking GitHub Actions, but like take that further, all of a sudden it's writing NPM modules, um, it's writing, you know demo apps like you're saying but you know npm modules that are being used and uh you know 
I'm hooking it straight up to GitHub. I'm allowing it to push straight to NPM and, you know, just to see what's going to happen. And eventually no one else understand what's going on. Like you could, you could have it keep working on that code, making it more and more efficient to the point that like you and you've looked at source code. I've looked at source code for years and years and years. And you know how hard that level of abstraction is to get down to a layer that you fully understand things. What happens when you don't understand the source that it's coming from, right? Like I, I know that that has way more quote unquote experience that, uh, you know, Copilot has looked at more code than I have in my career, right? There's no question of that. Um, and it's going to insert things and start going to levels that are probably going to be a lot harder to understand and just abstract out, um, which is going to introduce more security vulnerabilities probably in places that we didn't expect or maybe places that we can even find. Uh, I just like, I keep extrapolating out to, all right, what does this look like in three years and five years when, you know, that 95% of the NPM code that's running the internet is all generated by some sort of an AI. And we don't really know what it's doing underneath the hood. Um, yes, we know the inputs that we gave to, gave to the AI to actually generate those, modules for us but like again then we're probably trusting it to test and to validate as well yeah i it, yeah I, I, i'm getting all doom and gloom like, ken yeah no, no no just maybe think of like man if you publish like 20 different modules that are very likely to all be downloaded together because you did certain abstracted enough things using like reflection metaprogramming whatever you're going to call it yeah you could for sure generate some pretty nasty stuff that would be very hard to detect once it's all working together in aggregate yeah yeah to your point about complexity huh. yeah that's an interesting one man yeah. i don't know where all I mean, this it's, leads. very it's very fun to speculate it is i don't know is. where yeah i mean seriously our because like i think everybody knows like our careers are changing yeah. Right. All yep. that it doesn't mean we're like I'm not saying we're retaining place. Obviously, that's not the case. That's not actually. I think our job is going to get harder. Um, in any case, uh, I think we're going to have to get smarter. Um, yep. Well, yeah, okay. I, so I I actually saw this was posted um, a couple of days ago, and this is this will be for like the testers and the appsec peeps that are out there. If you haven't looked at it yet, I haven't necessarily used it. Um, but to improve like your ability to recognize like attack surface, um, there is this new uh, tool that has popped up that has been intriguing to me because it's been something that I've you know you know we've we've struggled with in the in the past is the ability to spider out a site like realistically spider out a uh, you know a full site based on different inputs. And we needed something modern to do that. If you've ever tried to spider with like Burp Suite, Zap, or some of the other application security tools that are out there, it works pretty well from a manual perspective. But the second that you start getting into React and SPAs, other applications, you know, I it's been hit or miss for me personally, as far as like building out a full attack surface of what an application looks like. So I was just excited to see somebody else having the same problem and trying to solve it. So there's just, I'm presenting this spider suite tool. And again, this comes with no, 
Uh, not necessarily even recommendations. I have not used it yet, but it is one that I'm going to try out within the next week or so to see how it performs against different applications um, to give me a better idea of what, what the attack service of an application looks like in a dynamic way. Um, so if anybody's played with that, let me know, you know what it looks like. Uh, the one thing I did enjoy or I did like I keyed it in on instantly was the ability to import and visualize content extracted from other tools like Burp Suite zap katana so the other appsec tools that we're currently using it'll actually give us some content there as well um, yeah so take a look i mean I, I don't know i can have you used anything recently outside of burp suite for attack surface you know enumeration or you know yeah yeah i built something no 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 uh, <laughs> yeah but uh jokes is uh kind of a joke aside um I didn't use it, but I did see, I did, I think I mentioned this maybe at some point, Katana, I saw Nuclei yeah. Project Discovery, I put out something called Katana for uh, the new generation of spidering. So I haven't used it. I don't know if it's any good, um, but that's the only other thing I've heard of. Uh, but no, I just, I use Burp. Yeah. Well, and that's what I'd be interested with, interested with um, is how Katana compares to this spider suite, right? Because it does look like it extracts data. It can extract data from Katana. Um, so well, that's interesting. I, but I don't know what that. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what that actually like equates to. Um, I was. Whoops! As I put that back in there, that was the wrong one. Yeah. Whoops! Gosh, I'm struggling, Ken. Hey, I'm struggling. I was while you're doing that. I was going to mention. Um, so my travel schedule will be seemingly pretty clear for a schedule for the next at least I think a month. So I'm good there. Just put that up. Okay. Yeah. I don't know what your travel schedule will end up looking like, but I think back to for me anyways on my end. Back to normal. Oh, okay. So so that's Ken say Ken's putting it on me. It's now my it fault. Right now. Yeah. Hey listen. I've been traveling <laughs> for six weeks straight, so I know that's my fault. Uh, yeah, but that's no, fine. Uh, we, like, we we we. Like, yeah. <laughs> times where like this week, where like it was less than twenty four. I think it was twenty hours, maybe nineteen hours between landing and going back to the airport and getting on a flight again. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, for sounds about right. Yeah, but it's all it's all good. It's gonna be it's a little okay. normal here for a little bit. Yeah. So. yeah. Cool. Yeah, I, so I posted Katana in there as well from uh, the Nuclei, the Project Discovery guys. Um, and again, I like these are, I keep coming back to Surface, like Attack Surface. And I know like you guys over at Dry Run are working on something from a code perspective that is is going to be more effective than what we get from a dynamic. Right? From a dynamic, we only see Damn one right. that's linked. Exactly. I, I like. I, I mean, we know this is the deficiency of dynamic scanners, right? Um, is we only see what's actually being used and what's linked. Um, we have to have some place to start from. The code you actually see everything that's in there, especially if you get it from a running. You know, you got a running instance and can map that out. So it'll be it'll be fun to you know get involved as Dry Run makes it further along and talk about what you know what, what you're experiencing there as you do that same sort of research but from the code perspective so um, but if any of you that are listening have experience with katana or spider suite i mean i know we've got um you know 
Talos and Eric and a bunch of guys in the in the Slack channel that are using these on a daily basis, or Kayla or Cole down there in Australia as well. Like those guys, um, as they as you're using these different tools, I'd love like if it's something that you've you know you have extensive experience with, or you've even just tried it out. Drop in, give us a line because that might be a good discussion point to just do a demo and ask questions and, you know, even post something up on the, on the YouTube channel for other people to get some familiarity with. Um, yeah. Uh, let's see. What else do I have in my, um, my list today? Um, I have a gist that someone posted of, um, a stood up an SSH server on, um, just online and collected all the usernames that were collected, that were attempted against it over the course of, I think about a month here. Right. Um, but it's, it's interesting to actually comb through that list. Right. Um, Ken is in there, I believe. No, I'm just teasing. Um, it, it, there's the a lot first of thing I searched work. for. I like to see it. Let's see. Is there a Seth law? Seth nope. Nope. There's not even a Ken. K-E-N. Not even a Ken. Or a Seth. Sweet. We didn't even get a mention. That means that, like, we're not showing up in any of the credential stuffing, right? Like, you know, that's good. Um, But it it, it is interesting to actually look and see what people are attempting to log in as, though, right? Like, I, I start to wonder where they're actually pulling some of these logins from, what tools are being used to generate but on the flip side of that, using this list to validate, right? If you're doing user enumeration, um, probably isn't the worst idea in the world to, you know, to build based off of that. Um, yeah, Vagrant Web. It's interesting, right? Um, makes me also think, wonder if there would be some, uh, you know, how it would differ if you were to stand up like a, just a WordPress login page and collect the same information based on attackers trying to log in um, because they do that same thing, right? Like anybody who's stood up a site or a EC2 instance or what have you opened up port 22, you've seen those logins come in and they're pretty constant, right? If you're combing it for um, the usernames that are being used, like you're always getting root, you're always getting admin and you know these others that are in there i i would also like to see the frequency on this right so you saw you know this hmw cantana sound how many times did you actually see somebody try to log in with that as opposed to root or admin or one of the other accounts that are in that list yeah i i I want some attribution there as far as where they come from but i know we're not going to get it from a single gist on github but be interesting for people to compare and add that to their list of, you know, possible usernames. Yeah. And I just posted a comment, but I'll reiterate it. It's kind of interesting because I was curious, like, uh, for Roy Razon, Razon, uh, the person that posted that gist, I was uh-huh. curious, like, what their background is. So I looked at their profile and some of their repositories. Uh, looks like not a, not a security person. It's a developer. I don't know what the inspiration behind all this was uh, yeah that's yeah. just i thought that was an interesting data point and that's the only reason i raised it yeah yeah it feels like somewhere some 
Uh, there's a good uh, research project there for someone listening, right? Like students or, you know, if you have an intern that has some extra time, like when, when I saw this initially, I was like, oh, I should put up a, just a, a dummy login page on absoluteabsec.com and we'll see people try and log in. Um, yeah. yeah, do it. Why not? <laughs> do it. <laughs> All my spare time. Oh, you're not traveling. You can put it All together, you. right, Ken? <laughs> Yeah, yeah no travel at least. So I think we'll see the way if that changes. But yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll get yeah. it together, man. It's sweet. Sure, sure. I'll have sure. ChatGPT build us a ChatGPT generator. Yeah, sweet. Okay, that'll work. I'll explain it too. Yeah. Uh, cool. No, I don't really know, you know, what else to, to say there other than, yeah, that it makes sense. You know, I guess it's just. I don't it really was, know it, the background. Yeah, of, it was just an interesting data point. Yeah, it was just an interesting data point somebody had collected. Um, and when I when I pulled it up, it was more of a, huh, right? Like I, I wonder what else we could determine from this, but we'll kind of leave it at that for now. Um, yeah, let's see. What else do I have? Um, I know we're pushing it at about time. We probably haven't recorded the longest episode today, but... Um, yeah, is there anything else specific that you want to talk about, Ken, before we like just kind of call it for today? I don't think there's anything else that's that pressing. Yeah, sorry, I uh, I got out there for a second. No, I mean, there's not a ton to talk about. You know, I know that layoffs are happening. I know, uh, well, it's interesting because one of the, what can I say here? Okay, I need to respect some people. So what I'll say is I there was a company I was at a hotel in, at RSA, obviously, and when I went downstairs, company who was having a very swanky, nice, you know, RSVP only party kind of thing. Um, definitely not cheap. De definitely not right. And uh, I was like, oh, cool. Like I know people that. Anyways, uh, I know people from there. And um, but then the next day, I think it was the next day or the day after. Uh, that party that I saw, uh, those folks laid people off. I will admit, and I had not, I, I haven't even been on Twitter. I, I probably have messages and DMs I need to check and all that stuff, but I, I just, you know, I'm constantly on the move. So anyways, um, so I didn't, I didn't see the Twitter stuff until later when somebody who was a friend reached out and shared that. Um, but I, I will say, I thought, what a horrible look. I can't believe you just threw the swanky party and then you're laying off the next day or the day after or whatever when I, when I saw it. So, yeah. uh, and that's without seeing anybody else's opinions on, on Twitter. So um, having said that, I think, you know, sometimes you do book these things and um, you can't get out of it. You might as well just go forward with it. Sometimes it's a business decision that, you know, the sales and marketing aspects the priority right now and not operational expenses, um, other OPEX costs, you know, and it's, I, and I, that sounds super callous the way I'm saying it, but I, I don't, I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't know the ins and outs of it. You know, um, I hope to never be in a situation like that myself. You know, we can't predict the future I and mean, that's not, it's not fun for anybody. So, you know, I'll also say this, I know that um, there was also like well but they also have a party booked at another place that's 
three months. Um, but again, that could be hard to get out of. I don't really know. And again, that may just be a business decision. Um, and that's the hard thing. So for anybody that has a consultancy that has had to let people go or has whatever, a business, and uh, especially small businesses, like I, I was talking about this last night, like I have no love for the big, big enterprises that are laying up off people just to keep shareholders happy and keep their stock prices at a certain rate. They can go fuck themselves. I don't care. But for uh, for the smaller businesses, yeah, that's that's a different that's a different story altogether. Um, and so, just you know, hope things improve for, for you folks. I'm going to mute myself as we as you you finish your thoughts, but because of these sirens. But uh, yeah, that's my take. Yeah, I mean, we've seen quite a bit of it, and it is starting to affect some of the smaller, not like smallish company, or well, yeah, like smaller companies in the industry, right? Um, there's been some chatter in, in the, again, in the Slack channel about, you know, different layoffs that are going on. It's definitely not a good look. Like the big one right now is Google, you know, where they lay a whole bunch of people off and then the CEO gets some like hundreds of millions of dollars in a bonus, right? Like you're like, how many people could you have kept anyway? Right. Like it's just not a good look, not a good like PR look either. Um, you, You start to wonder what's going on there outside of just pure greed. Right. Um, but it, 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 it's a tough right, situation to be in. I don't mean to be yeah. vulgar, but yeah, that's how I feel. It's like, you're just doing that because you're greedy and you want more money and it's disgusting. Like there's nothing right. else to say there. I don't have any love for that. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I know that there's, there's people that need help. Right. So, and, and that's the other thing I'd like to promote today is like along those lines, if you have someone that is in the industry that is looking for a job, have them join the Slack channel um, there are, you know, there's there's quite a few few people there, and I know there are different organizations that are looking. Um, and if you are, if you have a job that you know you're looking for another AppSec resource, ProdSec resource, post about it in the jobs channel. Let us know. We'll promote, right? Like we're definitely down to help people connect with good people, right? Uh, and to find you know gainful employment or to help you fill a position, whatever that ha- whatever that looks like. Um, yeah it's a small community there's always roles um just because somebody decided to do a piece of shareholders or whatever else happened you know stuff happens like you know like i said some sometimes it's just pure greed sometimes it's having to make hard decisions and that sucks um but whatever the case is there's always roles out there especially in this field that had this very little compared to what the need is is very little folks in this in, in in application security specifically but if there's anything else too that you're a part of, not AppSec or maybe you're a general, generalist, whatever, just come into the jobs channel, like Seth said. Yep. Yep. Come into the jobs channel. Come say hi. Uh, you know, definitely like want to see people succeed. That's what, you know, that's why we do this. Um, cool. I think one other thing I'll mention is I think we'll try to get together. You and I can figure this out, but I think during the uh, DEF CON Black Hat week, we should, uh, you know, we can probably get a meetup similar to what we did for RSA going as well so that we can, yeah. we can hang out with folks. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I did. Yeah. Yeah. We mentioned that at the beginning of the podcast. Oh, did you? Sorry, man. Yeah. <laughs> you were satisfied. <laughs> jet lag. And, man, some nights I've Chris. had like a few hours of sleep, you know, so it's, 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 uh, it's, you know, my brain's going to be optimal again, but it's not at this moment the most optimal that it could be. I understand that. It's okay. I was very happy because, you know, I haven't gotten to exercise much or do any 
really jujitsu, you know, maybe once a week if I'm lucky. Um, so I did feel good this morning to, to go and find a, find a gym and, and get a little exercise. It. So at least that's helping with the brain juices, so to speak. Yeah. I, but overall, I'm pretty stupid right now. So sorry. <laughs> no worries. Watch out for that though. We'll, 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 we'll gauge interest. We'll see who's going to be at, we'll start a channel for, you know, whatever defcon 2023 or 31 32 whatever it is right um on the the podcast slack have people join and then we'll invite we'll figure out a location based on how many people are going to attend um we'll try and make it central to you know as much as you know we we hate the strip we'll we'll be somewhere on the strip i'm fairly certain cool um otherwise i think that's everything for today uh you know, if you find interesting articles, anything that you want to talk about, post them into the Slack channel. Um, and yeah, but we appreciate everyone listening. We know this one was a little, you know, off uh, normal, normal scheduled time, but uh, appreciate the feedback, appreciate the interactions. And Ken, thanks for jumping on while you're, you know, out and about. Yeah, no, I wish I could report, you know, but I, I this is the first day. It, it's, it's, it's also, you know, what noon local time so and we've been on since 11 so anyways I, i'll yeah tell you what when we do this again i don't think next week but the week after i can't remember what your schedule is yeah. but uh when we do it again i'll give you a, a rundown on what the sessions were like at devops days yeah that yeah that'll be important and and to that point we will we'll be off next week um taking a yeah i i'm actually taking a vacation so it'll be good and uh we will be back the following week uh and so watch for the episode to be posted to the youtube channel or in slack and yeah otherwise good to see you good to chat ken as always and we'll we'll talk to everybody online and yeah see you all in a couple of weeks